And so today we're, we're continuing that journey. Um, so my points from last week, uh, from chapter four, can you remember what the, uh, the three points were? Avoid, learn, make, make. Avoid, learn, make. Avoid sexual sin, learn to control your body and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands. Do you remember that? That's what we covered last week in a nutshell. You know, we listen to so many sermons, don't we? Week in, week out. It's very hard to remember all the stuff that, that, that comes our way. So we need to constantly be drip feeding ourselves with, with the word of God. So today we're going we're gonna to continue from where I left off last week because I didn't cover all of chapter four. And uh, we'll look, we'll pick up our journey uh, in verse 13 of chapter four. So this is 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13. And we'll read on right to the, the end of the letter. Here we go. So it's entitled The Coming of the Lord. And we've, it's been great to have sung some songs this morning that talk about that. He's coming on the clouds and trumpet calls, things like that. It's just great. <clears throat> All directly from scripture. It says this in verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Uh, when it says the word fall asleep, it means those that have died. All right. It's not, they're not having a doze. They're not having a little siesta, they've, they've died, okay? So we don't want you to be ignorant about those who have died or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again and so believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, those that have died in him. According to the Lord's own will, Word, we tell you, sorry, my glasses are, I've got to get them at the right angle. Uh, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons and daughters of the light, sons and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, 
putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always tries to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the other brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. Great, isn't it? Just the way he finishes off uh, that last bit of the letter. If you were to go to the seaside and you go to one of those candy shops or those sweet shops where they sell rock, you know the rock that's long, you know when they, if you've ever seen in a program when they make rock they they make it big first don't they, they put all the colours and the letters in and then it gets rolled really thin and the, the, the kind of message they put in travels all the way through the rock, yeah? So when you cut it and you've got the, you can look at the end and the message is there. Well, the message running through this last part of the, uh, the letter is that Jesus, if, so if you had a piece of rock, it would say, Jesus is coming, be ready. All right, not look busy, be ready. Don't forget that he's coming back. Jesus is coming back, be ready. So Paul's aim first off is to give comfort and hope to those who are worried about loved ones facing death, those who have died or perhaps even their own mortality. Verse 14 he says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, those who've died in Christ. He's wanting to give them hope of something more than now. Because so often we get caught up in the here and now, don't we? We think about, you know, probably the job that we've got or the job we want to get or or the bills we've got to pay or whether we'll, whether we'll have enough in retirement or when we get to retirement, what will life be like? And, 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 you know, all of those things, they are important to think about, but they're all based in the here and now. Paul's wanting to think a, a bit more uh, eternally. 
rather than just getting caught up in the the day-to-day things of life. So he tells them first about Jesus coming back and then he gives them a, a, a a kind of a bullet point list of how that is likely or going to happen. But before we can get our heads round Christ's return, perhaps we need to be clear about where Jesus is now. Where is Jesus now? I think you've probably all heard the, little, the joke about the little girl that goes to her mum and says, um, Mum, is Jesus everywhere? Yes, he is. Is Jesus in the kitchen? Well, yes, I suppose he is. Is Jesus in the cupboard? Well, I suppose if he's omnipotent, if he's everywhere, then he, he must be. Is Jesus in the jam jar? I suppose he is, yeah. I've got him. I've got him in the jam jar. Because Jesus is everywhere, but by his Holy Spirit, he is everywhere. But Jesus is in heaven. And the Bible tells us that. Jesus, this moment, is seated in heaven, having completed his work on earth. Hebrews 8.1 says this, We do not have such a high priest, sorry, we have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Or Colossians 1. 1 to 4 says this since then you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you will also appear with him in glory this is the same Jesus seated in heaven who was born into this world as a vulnerable baby, having been conceived in his mother's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Jesus. This is the same Jesus whose parents fled Egypt as a refugee, as refugees to avoid him being murdered at the hands of King Herod's soldiers as a toddler. The same Jesus who grew up into a young man who, at just 12 years old, amazed the teachers at the temple in Jerusalem with his understanding, his thought-provoking questions and his wise and profound answers. This same Jesus who followed in his father's sawdust footsteps as a carpenter and mastered the family trade. Jesus of Nazareth, who, having been baptised in water, was filled with the Holy Spirit, went on to teach in synagogues, preached the good news to curious crowds, opened the eyes of the blind, loosed tongues that couldn't speak, gave back mortality, uh, sorry, gave back mobility to the disabled, walked across choppy waters, calmed ferocious storms, fed hungry people, healed sick people, brought dead people back to life. Jesus of Nazareth who was betrayed by one of his own disciples, was arrested in an olive grove, was questioned, sentenced, beaten, abused, scourged, stripped and nailed to a cross. 
the same Jesus who is acknowledged as Christ, the King of the Jews, the Saviour of the world, who died, was buried in a rock-cut tomb. Jesus, the Rabbi Messiah, who rose again from the dead after three days and was seen time and time again over a period of 40 days. The same Jesus whose disciples saw him on a hillside in Bethany received his blessing before he ascended to heaven before their very eyes. The same Jesus. Luke records in Acts 1, uh, 9 to 11, it says this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Just picture it. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is in heaven and one day he will come back almost in the same way as he ascended there. Here's Paul's bullet point list of how Christ will return. It says this, the Lord Jesus himself will come down from heaven. It won't be anybody else. It will be Jesus. It will be him. And it says with a loud command and the voice of an archangel. It's not a quiet return, right? It's not like a sneak in through the back door, come to earth return. Every eye will see, every ear will hear this phenomenal sight, this phenomenal uh, global event will occur and it will be loud. And it says, and with the trumpet call of God, so there'll be trumpets involved. Graves will empty and those who have died as believers in Jesus Christ will rise up. That's kind of a crazy sight, isn't it? How many people have died who will be raised up from the grave. I remember being taking the funeral of uh, Val Carroll and we, she was buried in one of those sort of green spaces where it's just a woodland and uh, we'd, we'd, we'd done the last bit and, and the coffin had been, lo- got a basket had been lowered into the ground and I stood next to the undertaker at a little bit of a distance and uh, it's a Christian undertaker. And uh, he just sort of whispered in my ear, he just said, I wonder how many people will rise up from these graves when the Lord returns. And you're like, yeah, this is, the, this is what scripture talks about. It talks about people rising from the dead. In fact, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that many holy people rose from the dead. There's resurrection power involved. After that, those Christians who are alive at the time of his coming will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. There will be this coming together of uh, Christians to be with Jesus. In the end, it says we will be with him forever. No longer be any separation. We will be with Jesus. When will this happen? Well, nobody knows. 
Nobody knows. Lots of people have tried to predict it. In fact, I remember being at a Christian meeting a few years ago. Well, actually, 20 years ago. And uh, in fact, it's 20 years today that I came to Christ. 20 years, would you believe it? But I remember being in a in a Christian meeting 20 years ago and the, the guy on the stage was like, I really believe Christ's coming back within the next 10 years. Well, that was 20 years ago. So nobody can know. You know, we, we sense the times that we live in and we, the Bible talks about, you know, it getting worse, um, wars and famine that, that Steve mentioned this morning. You know, it, but nobody knows. Lots of people have tried to nail down a date. In fact, the Jehovah's Witnesses have been caught out time and time and time again because they have uh, published dates and times. But the Bible's very clear. Nobody knows the dates and times of when this will happen. Throughout the Bible, the the return of Christ has a number of characteristics, that's hard to say, that are commonly mentioned to do with this global visible event. And they are these. They, in Christ's return, involves clouds, trumpets, angels, dates and times, and the resurrection of the dead. Okay, if you read through scripture, those five common things will come out time and time again. How do I know? Because it was my homework. All right, uh, Steve's dad's. we did uh, the doctrine of Christ's return. And uh, he challenged me, he said, um, I want you to write, uh, to, to do five columns. <clears throat> and, each, and at the top of each column, write clouds, trumpets, angels, dates and resurrection of the dead and go through scripture and every time you find a scripture that mentions trumpets angels clouds dates and times resurrection of the dead write it down well i haven't finished it yet it's just going on and on and on i've got pages and pages and pages of scripture verses that talk about trumpets clouds angels dates times resurrection of the dead i'll just share a few i won't go into all of them because we'll be here all day Okay, so right from, uh, you know, Daniel, Romans, Corinthians, Revelation and loads more. Here's one from Daniel 12, verse 1 to 2. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus speaking in Matthew 24:30 at that time the son of man will appear in the sky and all the nations sorry all, all the nations of the earth will mourn they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory 1 Corinthians 5:51 1 Corinthians 15 51 to 52 listen i tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Matthew 24, 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know what day the Lord will come. So trumpets, angels, resurrection of the dead. If If you want to do a study... That's a good one to do. Uh, you, you'll, you'll be very clear in seeing that those things run throughout this uh, event called Christ's 
return or his second coming. I was reading in the week, um, I just sort of turned to John chapter 11 and just reread the account of Lazarus's death and his subsequent rising from the dead. If you don't know the story, I'll just briefly tell you, but uh, one of Jesus's friends called Lazarus, uh, he was poorly, he was sick, probably fatally ill. And uh, the message came to Jesus. Jesus was a couple of miles away. The message came to Jesus and uh, that Lazarus was sick, but Jesus didn't go straight away. He waited a few days. Uh, anyway, when Jesus decides that it's the right time to go to Bethany, he goes, but Lazarus is already dead. He's been in the grave three days. He's been buried. And as he comes to Bethany, he meets uh, Lazarus's two sisters, Martha uh, and Mary. And there is this encounter uh, with these two grieving sisters uh, that, that John records. In John eleven twenty one. it says this. These are the words of Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, said to her, to Martha, your brother will rise again. That statement, your brother will rise again, could be interpreted a couple of ways, couldn't it? It could be, well, yeah, he will rise again one day in the future when the Messiah comes again. Or it will be soon. And I think Martha was thinking a bit further ahead. She was thinking uh, at the end of days, because she says this, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And so it makes you think, you know, there are people of ancient people that believed in a last end times resurrection of the dead, okay? I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. You get that? So if you believe in Jesus, you will live even though you die physically. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That was the challenge to Martha. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So uh, the end of the story is that Jesus turns up. He's, uh, he has compassion for the people who are mourning and for his friend Lazarus. Uh, and by his words, he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus rises from the dead and, and walks out of the tomb and lives. Okay, so... That's a good study to do, isn't it? Look at, look at Jesus right, calling people up from the dead. Not something you see every day, is it? But still happening, still happening today. So having reminded them of what is coming, Christ's return, what does Paul say to encourage them? He, he's talked about uh, you know, some analogies here. He, he, he talks about thieves and pregnant women. He talks about labour pains. He talks about light and darkness, about uh, being alert and staying awake. Uh, And what he's alluding to here, he's basically saying, don't be surprised. 
Don't let this be a shock to you that, that there's something greater coming. Don't get caught up in the stuff of life. Remember, Jesus is coming back. And it will be an all of a sudden moment. We all like all of a sudden moment. Well, if depending on what it is, but an all of a sudden moment. Be ready for it. Don't forget. Don't get caught up in the, the, the here and now. Be ready. And he compares it to a thief in the night. You know, you, you, something we don't expect. Or labour pains that come on a pregnant woman. They come all of a sudden. And when the labour pains come, you know something's on the way, don't you? You know it's not going to be too long. You've waited nine months and suddenly something's going to give birth. And what Paul's saying is, be alert, stay awake, don't get drunk, be clear-minded. He says, be self-controlled. And I think Paul was saying this because some people had just become, maybe they'd just thought, ah, it's never going to happen. That's, that's way, 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 way. I don't, I don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> that. That's way in the future. Uh, let's just get on with our life. Let's not, let's not worry about that. But others had become, well, why bother doing anything if Christ's coming? Let's just, let's just wait. Let's wait for him to come. And so he, he talks about not knowing the times, but being ready. So how do you, you know, how do you live your life knowing that Christ is coming back, wanting to be ready, but actually being productive and actually getting on and doing stuff? Well, Paul gives them a kind of a list of do's and don'ts of how to live as a Christian. And we'll go through those. <clears throat> so he first off gives them a list. Well, they're a bit mixed up, but I've, I've produced a list of do's uh, that, that are in this letter. <clears throat> first of all, he says, respect those who are over you. And I think here he's talking about Christian leaders respecting those who are over you in fact i think we should respect anybody that's over us really shouldn't we you know if we've got a boss or our parents if they have authority over you there needs to be a level of respect for those people live at peace with each other <clears throat> it's easy to get into strife isn't it easy to uh, fall out I've I've kind of got it going on in my um, my own family at the moment with on you know my mum's side she's fallen out with her sister at the moment uh, and a lot of it dates back years years over something very trivial and yet they're not speaking to other to one another at the moment they're not living at peace in fact every time I phone my mum she's kind of going on about it going on about it she won't go and make peace. She won't go and make peace and neither will her sister come and make peace. So they live in a sort of unpeaceful manner at this time. But Paul says, live at peace with one another. How do you do that? Well, you forgive and you love and you, you, you seek to uh, be peaceful with other people. You make it a, an ambition to, to not rub one another up. 
you let things go that you can let go. I was uh, on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> I kind of get into sermon mode, and I and I. It's like you're just trying to focus. You're just trying to focus on what God's given you and what you feel you've got to give, uh, and sort of any sort of distraction be- can begin to rob you of your peace if you let it. So this morning, Esther. Do you know what they call what are those little plastic things called? Hammer beads. Do you know hammer beads? They're like these little plastic things that you stick on a board and you iron them, and they, you can create shapes and all things like. That. Well, she's got the tight. She's got the micro hammer beads. They're like the tiniest thing ever. And so this morning I'm, I'm focusing, trying to get in the in the zone. Daddy, can you count out 132 white hammer beads, please? <laughs> Daddy, can you do this? Daddy, can you do that? And so trying to maintain peace is hard. It's not easy. I think Rachel said to me recently, you know, it's better to be a peacemaker than a peacekeeper. Peacekeeping is easy, but making peace is more difficult because it involves humility. It involves saying, sorry, I was wrong. It involves owning up. It involves going out of your way to make it right. So I think this is what Paul said. Live at peace, don't get stewed up. Don't get distracted. Warn those who are idle. Well, he talked about that in the previous chapter. Some of them have just kind of given up. and They've just become busybodies doing nothing, uh, just waiting for things to happen. Encourage the timid, help the weak. Well, that's important, isn't it? Helping those that can't help themselves. You know, that's we we do that. We do that. Be patient with everyone. That's a challenge, isn't it? Those four words. Be patient with everyone. Not just with the people that you hang around with. Be patient with everyone. Ooh, some people test your patience, don't they? They really do test your patience. But it says here, be patient with everyone. And I think um, there's a there's a limit on patience, isn't there? We can we can put up with things, and we can put up with things, and we can put up with things, and then it kind of hits a limit where we just we just want to blow. We want to blow. You know, patience is a, it's a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And uh, in fact, all of these, I feel, you know, we can't do any of these in our own strength. You know, to, to, to live at peace and to help the weak and to be patient with everyone and try to be kind to each other and to everyone else, that's virtually impossible to do in your own strength I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in that's where the Spirit uh, as we grow as Christians helps us to to do those things always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else well sometimes we don't want to be kind 
I don't want to be kind to people. <laughs> I want to give them a piece of my mind. I don't want to be kind. But this is what Paul says. Be joyful always. <laughs> always? Be joyful always? How is that possible? To be joyful always. How do you how, be joyful in all sort of give thanks in all circumstances? How can you be joyful in the midst of suffering and trial? How can you be joyful when somebody has robbed you of your peace? How can you give thanks in all circumstances when you don't know where your next meal's coming from? Or you've been a witness to a mass shooting? How do you do that? I think this is the work of Christ in our life. This is where Jesus, when we allow Jesus to take control of our heart and mind, we're able to do this. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit afresh, we're able to do this. You know, we've said before, you know, we leak as Christians and we need refilling, refilling, because we give out and we give out and uh, we, uh, we come to the limit of our self-control and we need refilling again. We need, that, we need God's presence to refill us up to the top so that we can, we can live a life like this. Paul says this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, to live like this, to be ready for his return, but to live this life devoted to him. Last week we said it is God's will for you to be sanctified. <clears throat> Do you remember I got you, got you to put your hand on your heart and say, it is God's will that I be holy. And I think this is all part of it. This, this, this is showing what a, a devoted, holy life looks like. It's showing what the fruit of being a Christian looks like. It is God's will that we should be sanctified. He says, test, test, test everything, especially microphones. Test everything. Hold on to the good. You know, don't just be taken in by stuff. Test it. Test it. You know, we, um, at the centre, uh, sometimes on a Tuesday morning, you, 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 the idea for coffee, cake and chat is to get alongside people. We've always said, it's not about the coffee, it's not about the cake, it's all about the chat. All right? It's all about the conversations that you have with people. And uh, we hear some really weird, wacky ideas that people come out with. They come out with uh, stuff that they say is fact. All right? <clears throat> so they'll tell you stories about what's in the Bible and they'll say it's fact. Or they'll tell you about something happened or what's going to happen and it's fact. But when you put it to the test, it fails. Because often, it's not true. All right? It's not in the Bible. I was with somebody this week, and I said, uh, they, they, they told me about something that's in the Bible, and I said, well, can you show me it? Well, I don't know where it is. Well, what book is it in? It's in this book. I said, well, that book's not in the Bible. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So people can tell you stuff and go, this, this is fact, this is true. It's, you know, the, 
the sun says or Facebook says or Instagram says but it's fake news you know it is isn't it so we have to test stuff we have to check is that correct is that right is that what God said is that what the Bible says test it hold on to the good don't hold on to bad stuff it just drags you down doesn't it sometimes you just gotta let it go let it go it is a work of the spirit you know how do we do this well I think Paul in Ephesians uh, 3 uh, chapter 3 verse 14 he sums this up really well he says this for this reason I kneel before the father Um, and then he says this in 16 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, when we are filled with the fullness of God, we will live like this. It's not try harder. Yes, we need to be involved in the process. I said last week it's a you know, salvation is a gift from God, but sanctification is a partnership between you and God. You are holy, but you are being made holy. So it's not a work harder. You do put the effort in, but it's a partnership between you and God. So he gives us this list of things that we should do. And he also gives us a list, a very short list of don'ts. All right. It says this. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. Don't do tit for tat. All right. She said, he said, she said, you know, you get, you're just going nowhere with that. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. You know, we look at the events in New Zealand in the week and, and the media and uh, people, they're, they're kind of almost expecting a, re- a retaliation, aren't they? Um, because that's a worldly thing to do. That's an evil thing to do. We don't pay back wrong for wrong. We forgive. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. What does that mean? Well, I think you can quench the Spirit when we involve ourselves in sin, when we begin to uh, perhaps move away or ignore what Scripture says or we, 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 we don't pray we begin to uh, maybe get involved in things that are not godly, we, we kind of quench the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Well, that basically means don't just write off. Don't make a judgment about the person. If they've brought a word, if they've brought something that they genuinely believe God, test it. Check it out. If it's right, it will come. If it's not, just let it go. But don't just write it off. Don't just write it off as drivel. Test it. And then his last piece of advice, is, his last don't, is avoid every kind of evil. Last week we said avoid sexual immorality, sexual sin. Avoid that. But he's saying now avoid every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. Why? Because that, we're not called to live that way, are we? 
not called to live practicing evil. We're here for God. And then in summary, he says this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May it be a a work that's completed in us. You know, in chapter four, we kept, kept having that phrase, more and more, more and more. Now he switches to through and through. He, he wants this work of God's to be all the way through us. Like if we were a stick of rock, God's holiness running all the way through us. And then he sums up and he says this, may your whole spirit, I'm coming to an end now, may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about your body. It's not just about your spirit. It's not just about your inner being. It's about your whole self, all of you. Your whole being being kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. And it is, he said, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. So God is involved in the process. God is involved in the process of us allowing him to have complete control of us. Jesus is coming back for a spotless, clean bride. Now we will mess up. Don't get me wrong. Nobody is perfect. We make mistakes, but we can keep short accounts with God. We can come and say sorry. We can seek his forgiveness. We can stop doing those things that we know are wrong. We can seek peace. We can stop paying back wrong for wrong. We can test things. We can do all of those things that, that, that Paul mentions. Jesus is coming back for us. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for his church. And it says God is faithful and he will do it. I want to say this morning, the challenge for, for all of us today is to live with that end in mind. To live on this earth, as we do, going about our business, working hard, encouraging other people, living a life devoted to Christ, but having the end in mind. Because it's easy to go the other way, isn't it? Easy to just live with the end in mind and doing nothing. Or get caught in, getting caught up in just the worldly stuff, just in the day-to-day, in the humdrum of life. So let's be people who are living with the end in mind. Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are God that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, that you are interceding for us. You have sat down with God the Father in heaven, having completed all your work here on earth. And Lord, I know that when when trial happens or when we're going through difficult times, when uh, we're in our most darkest times, you rise to your feet and you intercede, you pray for us. 
you are there championing us on, encouraging us, helping us in those darkest moments. But we thank you, Lord, that there's going to come a day when you will return. You will return to take us to be with you. And Lord, thank you that that is a promise that you will keep. We don't know when it will be, but we do want to prepare ourselves for it. We want to live a blameless life in Christ. And so in our weakness, in our challenges and our difficulty, help us to remain focused on you, what you've done for us already, the gift of your salvation, your work of sanctification in our lives now, but also your return as King of glory. Lord, we bless you. We pray for brothers and sisters across the globe to not get distracted from this fact, to not get caught up in dates and times, not get caught up in the the crazy details of is it... uh, uh, it's going to be here and then and whenever. Lord, we just know you're going to return and it's going to be a, an amazing event that we can look forward to. So come, Lord Jesus, come in glory, we pray in your holy name. Amen.